Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. So how y'all doing? You're good? I feel, I feel, I feel like we, we're going to get a little life today. You guys want some life? And you're like, what does that mean? I don't know. It just means I think it's going to be a good day. I'm excited about our day. We're starting something today that I believe is going to be something very important in unifying our church. It's also going to be something very important in your life that I think will be a, a, a just life kind of giving to you. And then also something that I believe um, is going to be powerful. Uh, I want to talk about reading the Bible. <laughs> and I uh, obviously, this is something that a lot of you already do. Some of you do have done at times. Some of you have done consistently and then non- inconsistently at times. But how many of you guys picked up this little, this beautiful book out in the front lobby? Anybody pick it up already? Lift it up if you've already got it. Okay, there's a lot of you that have not got it. Here's the thing. I want everybody to get one of these. They're in the lobby at the very front, uh, in the front windows. It's a beautiful book that we want to tell you all about. Um, they are free. Maybe you've already picked it up and you've got a sense of what this is, but this is a Bible reading plan. It's a 14-week Bible reading plan of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and we basically made this with the hope that our whole church would read over the next 14 weeks between now and Easter Sunday that we would read the stories of Jesus and that we would say, okay, we're talking about Jesus every Sunday. What if we read about Jesus every day? And so we have said, let's step into this together. So a lot of you I know have done this. You've read through the Gospels many, many times, but can you imagine how great it's going to be for your whole church to be doing it together? A lot of you have never done this. Maybe you've never read the Gospels in their entirety. Maybe you've never read the Bible a whole bunch. Maybe you've had seasons where you've done okay, you've gave it a shot, whatever it is. Well, this is your opportunity to step in and to read the Bible, maybe like you've never read it before. Now, here's the thing. The story behind this is six weeks ago, I'm praying about what we're going to be doing in 2019, what's happening in 2019. Do we keep talking about Jesus? He changed everything about everything, all those sorts of things. And I thought, and I thought well, we got to do more than just talk about Jesus on Sundays. What if we did a Bible reading plan? And so I went to my friend Leslie Cook, who's really gifted at design and writing and creativity. And I said, what if we made a, something like a Bible reading plan, but not just like a packet, but like a really amazing book? And she's like, okay, okay. And so we started talking. And then she, oh, for the last five weeks, we put this thing together, which is not that complicated, but it's beautiful if you haven't seen it yet. It's a beautiful book. It's supposed to woo you in. Are you with me? It's supposed to woo you into actually reading and praying and writing reflections and writing prayers in this book. Here's the deal. The book is actually just a supplement to this book, right? This is where you're doing your reading, and this is where you're doing your writing, and this is where you're doing your your reflection, and it gives you a guide to say, how could we stay on track together? And so we really want you to do this. Didn't she, if you've seen this, she did an amazing job, did she not? Um, it's amazing. So um, we're very, very proud of it, and I'm very proud of her, and I want to say, uh, I just want to make a few comments about this as you pick this up and read it. Um, one, You'll notice that it's a daily reading plan, but there's actually one day of rest per week, meaning it's six days of reading per week. Um, And then you'll also notice that there's usually one chapter to read, sometimes two. 
And the reason that I think that's a really good thing is it only takes five to ten minutes to read a chapter of the Bible. And I don't tell you that to say we want to make this easy and convenient for you. That's not the point of why I say it only takes five to ten minutes. It means it only takes five to ten minutes, so it actually gives you a chance to reread that chapter, to reflect on that chapter, to consider that chapter, to pray about that chapter. And that's what's inside this book. There's going to be a question for each chapter that's unique to that chapter, okay? And we want you to be able to reflect on that question. Then there's another question that's more general about you and just what did the Lord show you through the chapter. Don't skip that stuff. A lot of people think, oh, it's about the reading. No, it's about the it's about the reflection. It's about the prayer after you read. It's about how is God's word impacting you. Don't skip the reflection in the prayer. Don't say, oh, I read five minutes. Check. I'm asking you to say, could you set aside 30 minutes a day to where you're going to read, reflect, and pray over the next 14 weeks? And we did give you one day of rest each week because we know there's that morning or that night that you just couldn't get, quite get there. Um, the, the other thing I want to tell you is um, our hope is in that 14 weeks we will have together read all four Gospels and that you've underlined and you've marked in your Bible all sorts of new things and there's all, things that, all sorts of things that God's provoked in you and we, we hope all that. And I also want to acknowledge that I know some of you read the Bible consistently right now and maybe you're doing your own thing and you're already in your own study and so I'm giving you something and saying, hey, start this tomorrow and you're like... I'm already in this. Well, if you're already doing it and you're already that, that, that committed, I'm asking you to commit to more. And that's a good thing, right? So wherever we're at in our journey, if we're not reading at all, if we're not, we're kind of dis, we're not, then start here. If you already are doing stuff, then I'm calling you to deeper. And you're going to do what you're doing, and you're going to do this. Are you with me now? And so because, here's the deal. We, we want to dig further. Wherever we're at right now, we need to go further. And God wants us to call us deeper and more. And so, anyway, I hope you guys are motivated by this. Anybody excited? Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm sure that we could just leave right now, and I could say just go start reading Matthew chapter 1, and everybody would be good to go for the week, right? I think so. I would hope so, that the Bible itself is... It is motivating, it is inspiring, it is something that a lot of us, whenever we really get into a real conversation about it, you're like, man, I, just, I do want to understand it more, I do want to read it more, I do, I do want to get into it more, and, and so I think for a lot of us, it probably is motivating enough, but in case there's a few of us that just need a little bit of extra push, I do want to talk and encourage you just to mute a few minutes on a few things. So we are in a series, and we have been for a while, called Jesus, he changed everything about everything, and our hope is that we would all want more of Jesus. That's our hope, that we'd want to know him more, that we'd want to love him more, that we want to follow him more, that we would trust him more, that the faith in our body of believers would be increasing, that, that that's the hope, right? That's what we've been pointing towards, orienting all this towards is that we would not only want more of Jesus, but that we'd actually receive more of him. Are you with me? That's what this is about. So here's the thing about the Bible that I think sometimes we don't, we, we don't realize or maybe we forget or maybe we just take for granted, but this whole thing is about Jesus. You know that, right? Like it's not just the New Testament. It's not just the Gospels. It's not just all the, the story of the church and Acts. That's not the only things pointing to Jesus. The entire 
book points to Jesus. Even the Old Testament, Jesus said so himself that all of this is pointing to him. I'll show you a scripture in John chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus says this. He says he's talking to a group of religious leaders. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. He's looking at these people saying, oh, well, you're looking for the Messiah and you're looking for, for me, essentially, in the entire scriptures that you've been reading, which at that time was the Old Testament. They testify about me. And so everything you read from beginning to end, most people think the book of Revelation is a, rev a book about the revelation of the end times. It's a revelation of the Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And, and, and the whole book, everything, is about Jesus. And I think we miss that. So early on in the ministry of Jesus, he begins, and as we all know, that there was a real mixed reaction to Jesus. People started rejecting Jesus. They weren't really for Jesus. They didn't really understand him. And so he started performing sign after sign. We read about these signs in the, sto in the stories of the Gospels. He starts performing sign after sign. He testifies truth after truth. And they ca he calls people to repent and believe the good news. And some people actually begin to do this. Some people actually go, yes, this is the truth. And they start to repent and believe and they follow him. And there's a crowd of people who become the followers of Jesus. But there's also another crowd, which is actually a bigger crowd of people who are like, no, 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 no. This guy is not who he says he is. And there's a whole group of people who cannot accept who Jesus is because they had, they had all these preconceived notions and thoughts about who God was, a theological paradigm that put God in a certain kind of category, what the Messiah would be like, and Jesus comes along, and he didn't quite fit all those things, and so therefore they rejected him, right? They rejected him and all the way up to the point where they convinced one of his closest followers, one of his closest disciples, to betray him. So Judas betrays him, they arrest him, they concoct this bogus trial, all these false accusations are coming at Jesus, all these things that aren't real. Anyway, they eventually lead the Roman governor of all people to crucify, to murder Jesus. So Jesus was buried and he was put in a tomb and three days later, of course, a group of women, they go to this tomb and the tomb is empty. And an angel appears to them and says, you're looking for the Messiah. You're looking for Jesus, right? Jesus of Nazareth. Well, he is risen. He has risen indeed, right? He is risen. He's gone. So they go back and they report all of this to the disciples and the word is spreading. And this is where I kind of want to take us in our passage today. This part of the story. And it's in Luke chapter 24, starting verse 13. Two people were walking on a road. They were followers of Jesus. They were in that crowd of people that followed him. And they have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, in case you're wondering what is that day, the day that the women reported to the, to the disciples, that what we call Easter Sunday now. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him, which I think is really an interesting thing that we could talk about forever, by the way, but we'll talk about it just a, t just a hair. 
Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still together, their, face, or their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas, future parents, great name right there. Cleopas asked him, are you the only ones visiting Jerusalem who do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, which there might be a message coming called what things. I love it. What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and before God and all the people, the chief priest and, the, and, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, and they didn't see Jesus. So these, these two disciples, I think it's important to note, they must have been close to Jesus. They were in the inner circle. They were there when the women came back. And if you know anything, he says they went and reported to the 11 disciples and Peter, which is another interesting little side note we'll talk about someday. Why was he, why did, or excuse me, the disciples and Peter. Um, so anyway, they, they must have been in the inner circle because they were there when they heard these women reporting about the missing Messiah. And he said to them, how foolish are you and how slow you are to believe that the prophets have spoken. What's he referring to? So right here, he's referring to how, when he says prophets and all they've spoken, he's referring to the scriptures, this, you know, to the Old Testament, to the Bible, where the prophets' writings are recorded. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? At the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Can you imagine? They're walking down the road. They're walking seven miles, which is maybe a two, three-hour journey. And he's like, hey, don't you guys get it? Well, let's just go to the word. And he goes back to Moses, the Torah. And he begins to explain to him from Moses through the prophets about what the scriptures say. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. By the way, I'm getting like one chapter done for your reading today, if you haven't noticed. This is like later on, Luke chapter 4. But anyway, 24. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up at once and turned, returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. Okay, so much to say. I love this story um, for many, many, many reasons, but particularly because Jesus chose to do something in this passage that is incredibly important for us to kind of connect with today. He's in the resurrected form. They don't recognize him. They were kept from recognizing him. And then he reveals himself in a very specific way. How does he reveal himself? Through the scriptures. He reveals himself through the scriptures. These two disciples had spent significant time with Jesus. They knew him intimately. They walked with him. They'd seen him perform miracles. They'd seen him perform signs. They'd seen him teach. They knew Jesus, yet in this moment, they didn't even recognize him. 
They were kept from recognizing them. And Jesus chose to do something very specific. He said, you know what? I'm not going to let them recognize me just because I'm Jesus. I'm going to let them recognize me by the power of the word, by the scriptures themselves. This is fascinating to think about. The fact that you and I, we're in life, maybe you're in life right now where you're like, I need to see God, I need to feel God, I need to hear from God, and you're in a season that's very difficult where you're asking the Lord for something, right? You're saying, God, will you show me something? Will you reveal yourself to me? Or maybe you're in a season where you're really hungry, you're loving the Lord, you're like, God is good, it's been a good season, you're just like, I want more of him, I wish I could have a fresh revelation, a fresh word, a fresh encounter with God. And so you're in these, one of these seasons, potentially. John Wesley, one of the history's great um, Christian leaders, part of the revivals in England that led the Great Awakening here in America, he said something really cool about the Bible. Uh, I'll just put this on the screen. He says, I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. That's what he wants to know. How to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended, meaning he has humbled himself to teach the way for this very to this very end he came from heaven he was written he has written it down in a book oh give me that book at any price give me the book of God I have it here is knowledge enough for me let me be a man of one book I love that I love even the thought of a, of a man or a woman of one book and I believe this is what the Lord is speaking to our church about. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you in a fresh way. And it's available to you, to anyone who would open the scriptures. You know, we are, I've mentioned it, we're 35 weeks into a series about Jesus. And we want to know him more. We want to love him more. We want to follow him more. And, and we want him to even change us more. And we can't just talk about Jesus 30 minutes a week on Sunday uh, there's, there's a fresh revelation available to those who will open the scriptures. That's what I'm believing right now. You see, the Bible isn't just for those of us who want to learn more about Jesus. It isn't, it isn't intended even just for that. It isn't intended to teach us about the history of, of the Christian church or of Jesus or of God's people or the Israelites. It isn't to teach us how to do things. It isn't, it isn't intended, the Bible isn't intended to teach us what to believe. And some of you are like, well, hold on, I thought that's what it was. Just follow me here. It isn't, in, it isn't intended to teach us how to engage the world and to go do a bunch of things and to do mission. It is not an instruction manual. It's not, it's not a, a guide to life, although it'll do those things. It's the living, breathing word of God that is, still, that is still active and alive and it is able to give fresh revelation to those who are looking for it and those who are asking for it. That's what God's word is. Meaning every time you encounter the word of God, it is not something to fill your head with more knowledge. It is something to be encountered with God in which he is gonna continue to speak to his people today. We have to understand something critical about the word and I'm just gonna put this on the, on the screen. The Bible does not contain God. The Bible reveals God. And this is really important in our world. And some people disagree with this statement, by the way. They would never say they disagree with it, but they live a disagreement to this statement. They live a disagreement because they feel like everything that you need in life is in the Bible and therefore it contains God. And anything outside of the word that doesn't really make sense or isn't written explicitly in the word must not be of God. And here's my, here's my, here's my word to you as at least what I believe my experience is, is that the God, the, the, the God of the Bible 
when I read his word. Have you ever, have you ever had the moment where you're reading a passage and he reveals something to you? And then a few years later, you read that same passage and reveal something else to you? And then a few years later, you read that passage again and it reveals something else to you? Anybody with me on this? And he continues to give fresh revelation? I believe God is still speaking new things. And although it's true there's nothing new under the sun, there's a lot of new things to you and me. So whenever someone says, ah, nothing new under the sun, just know that, yes, that's true. And the knowledge of God, he knows all things. There's nothing new to him, but there's plenty new to me and you. We have not figured out God quite yet. And I, I don't know, maybe today, as we even talk about the Bible, and I don't think there's very many that fit in this category that would say, oh, you know, I don't need the Bible much anymore. Although I've heard people say things like this. I've heard people say they don't need any more sermons. They don't need any more quiet times. And I'm like, really? You figured it out, huh? You've got it all down. Maybe, maybe we actually don't know everything. Maybe, maybe we actually haven't seen everything. Maybe we haven't made it to this point in our Christian walk or in our faith journey that we, we don't have to read the Gospels anymore because we've read them so many times. Maybe, maybe perhaps we haven't actually heard all that God wants to say. Because here's what I know, as I seek him more, and as I ask him for more, because that's, by the way, if you haven't picked it up, for the last, for, for a while now, I don't know how many, for a while now, we've been asking for more of Jesus. And what if he actually gave us more? If he gives us more, which I believe he's giving us more, but what if he gave us a lot more, and it didn't fit into our theological paradigms? And it didn't fit into who we thought God was going to be. And what if there was actually a new word spoken and a fresh revelation given to you and a fresh experience given to you? What if that happened? What if that happened? You see, there were two types of people, right, that were following Jesus. There were the people that said, yes, I repent and believe and I'm gonna follow the way of Jesus and I'm going for it. I'm all in, there's no other options. And then there were the people that said, you know what, Jesus, I don't know if you're actually who... You say you are. You, you don't fit in my preconceived notions about what is of God. And they rejected him. You know how many times people have come up to a fresh encounter with the Lord and they've turned and walked away because of their lack of faith? You know, all things in the scripture. You know, he, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but just follow me for a second. For a lot of us, it's very difficult to imagine God speaking and, hear, and, us, and people hearing from God. A lot of people have a difficult thing with that. Like, how can someone hear from God and then, they, and then they could give that to the people and say, oh, you know, I've seen this thing or I've heard this thing from the Lord and this is a word for your people. How does that even work? For a lot of people, that's difficult to imagine. Yet it's the word of God that affirms that those things happen. That's not outside of God's word. God's word actually affirms that kind of move. For a lot of people, it's very difficult to imagine supernatural healing taking place. Like, how in the world can that happen? It doesn't even make any sense. No, God heals over time or through medicine or whatever. But God affirms, it's actually God's word that affirms that such things are possible. For a lot of us, it's difficult to imagine people seeing things and having vision of things that are of the Lord and of the Spirit. I've even heard stories of people saying they've seen angels. All that kind of stuff seems crazy. It's like, no way. How does that stuff happen? It's actually the word of God that affirms that those things are possible. You see, the Bible doesn't contain God, but it does reveal God. And whenever we 
make this a container of God to where everything and everything we experience in our life has to have the detailed to the letter um, experience written in the word before us to affirm that it's possible. Well, we've limited God and said God apparently ended whenever the last person in the Bible died. Whenever that person died, God said, I've revealed all things to all men at all times and that's all you're ever gonna get. No. He's still speaking, but everything will be affirmed by the word. And everything will be affirmed not only through this truth, but it'll be affirmed through the people that are honoring the Lord. And you're going to have a community of people around you that are saying, yes, this is a move of the Spirit. This is a work of the Lord. You know, in Acts 2, Peter quotes the prophet Joel, and he says, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit. The sons and daughters will prophesy. And old and young will see visions and dreams. And I will show them wonders from heaven and signs on earth. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's in Acts 2. After Jesus gave him the Holy Spirit. So what am I saying? Well, I've already said it, but the Bible does not contain God. It reveals God. And I know very few people would disagree with that statement, but very few people, I say that, there's a lot of people that struggle to actually live that. So for those who've been in church for a long time, reading the Bible becomes a thing that you're supposed to do, right? Good Christians read the Bible. Committed Christians read the Bible. And for many, it becomes a religious kind of duty. It becomes something that you do. And it becomes more about the head. And really, reading the Bible becomes more like reading a book. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, that's a really good thought. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you do these little, oh, I'm going to mark that one. I'm going to tweet that one. I'm going to gram that one. And you do all these things. And, and the Bible becomes just like you're just reading some sort of book. And I just want to say sermons... Uh, sermons won't teach you anything. The, the, you know, your friends won't teach you everything. Um, the, the Bible itself is a different kind of experience than reading a book or hearing a sermon. It is. It is. It's an integral part of your relationship with the Lord. If you love him, you want to read it. I'm just saying. If you love God, you want to read his word. Sermons will not teach you everything. They aren't supposed to. Podcasts and books and opinions of your friends aren't intended to teach you everything. But the Bible is necessary in growing and understanding God's nature. Do you understand that? The Bible will actually be the best thing in the world to teach you about how the Holy Spirit moves. The Bible will be the best thing in the world to teach you about your own sin. It will reveal to you those sins that you've justified and that you see other people do, and you're like, ah, that's one that's no big deal. But when you read the Bible, it holds you to a much higher standard. And you go, oh, I gotta get rid of that. I gotta get that in my life. It teaches you about sexuality and marriage. It teaches you about, teaches you about uh, the decisions and the choices you make. It teaches you about all these things. It reveals to you the things that you ought to know. Because it's not a book that fills your head with knowledge. Because we aren't, hopefully, just reading this to learn more about Jesus and God. But this book actually awakens something inside of you to where you can actually see things with your heart. Isn't that what they said in Luke 24? What did it say in verse 32? I have back on the screen. He said, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Something happened inside of their heart. Were not our hearts burning? Jesus wants to open the eyes of your heart to see the realities of the kingdom. Ephesians 1.18 
I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. You see, God wants to awaken your hearts. He wants to, you to recognize things with your heart. And here's the deal. A message like this, it's so simple. It's so simple. Read your Bible. That's what we're talking about here, right? It's so simple it almost never gets said. In our church, we want to raise the level of our love for Jesus. We want, to, we, we want to raise the temperature of our worship and the measures of our faith. Because I believe it's time. I actually believe it's time. And, 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 and here's what I know is I'm feeling some things right now that I know not everybody's feeling yet. And what I mean by that is I feel like the Lord is doing something right now that I'm, I'm hoping that some of you are already feeling and I'm hoping some of you in the future are going to start feeling it. And I believe God's word is going to be a critical part for all of us feeling this together. Okay? But I believe it's time. It's time for us to raise the water level in our church and raise the temperature in our church for worship and for his word and for hearing from the Lord. I believe it's time. I believe this season between now and Easter is a really important season for our church. And I'm asking you to step in. And I'm asking you not to step in because, oh, this is a good thing. I need to read the Bible anyway. No, it's like you're reading it. We've been praying that God would anoint this thing. Anoint this to be like, all of a sudden, there's like all sorts of new things. God is revealing all sorts of new things to you. And you're like, what is happening? And you're going to have to come face to face with going, am I okay with this? And you're going to go, I'm hoping, you're going to go, yes, I want to follow you, Lord, because I've been asking for more of you, and you're actually giving it to me. You're actually honoring what I'm asking for. I'm not asking. We can't ask him for more of what we already have. We, ask, we have to ask him for more of the things we don't yet have. Are you with me? For the things that we cannot conceive. That's what he says. That I will give you more than you can have ever imagined or conceived in your mind. And he speaks of that in our eternal inheritance, but he speaks of that in our present tense experience here on earth. In our church, we want to raise the level of our love for Jesus, raise the water level of our our experiences with him and our so really a few practical things to help you and I'll be done it's going to put four things on the screen first one is this do this challenge and see if you experience more of Jesus I've been saying that so I'll just put it number one do it do it I don't ask you to do a lot around here pretty easy on you I think I am I am throwing down the, the, the test. But the test isn't for me. The test isn't for the, the test is, the test is with the Lord and, and in the sense that, that I'm going to, I'm gonna ask the Lord for more and I'm gonna see what he does and I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm throwing the challenge out there. You wanna know God more, spend 30 minutes a day, at least, reading his word and praying, reflecting. And like I said, some of you need to do an hour I'm serious. <laughs> we are praying and anointing over this. Do it because you love you want to love Jesus more. 
This is not an obligation. This is not a... This is because you want to know more. It's because you want to see Jesus more in your life. You want to see him reveal himself to you, to open the eyes of your heart. Second thing, um, choose a regular time and location. This is just a practical thought. You don't have to. You can be crazy and wild and do it all sorts of times of the day, but this probably won't work. Pick a time. For me, mornings are best. I don't know about for you, maybe nights are best, whatever, but for me, mornings are best. For me, it's like if I win the morning, I win the day. Are you with me? If I win the morning, I win the day, and I'm like, all right, God, you've already spoken to me today. This whole day is yours. Woo, let's do this. Some of you are like, uh, you know, I need to read at night. It's just the way it works. I'm a night owl. I'm terrible in the mornings. Whatever. Do your thing. Find it at a regular time. Just be regular. Let you run with that one. Um, <clears throat> and third one is this. Um, read a physical Bible. If you want, if you're like totally into the digital thing and you're like so, like so current, cool. I'm going to throw a little old school at you. All right. The cool thing about reading a real Bible, <laughs> the digital one's real too. It's not fake. But the, the cool thing about reading a physical Bible is it orients you with where things are. It helps you kind of see the whole story in one glance. You can look at the table of contents or you look at the maps. You can look at whatever you need to look at. And I just want to say, get a Bible if you don't have one. We do have free ones out there if you don't have a Bible. If maybe you've been living on the digital thing and like, I'm like, I don't even know where my real Bible is. Then you can grab one for free. But if you want a, one that has more content in it, just go buy one. It's a pretty good investment. It's got a good return on investment right here. It's good ROI in that Bible. And then the fourth one is this, every meal matters. <clears throat> you ever had a really amazing meal? You know what I mean? Like one's unforgettable. You're like, oh my gosh, that meal. Me and Chrissy, we, we got to go on a, uh, we got to go on a ministry trip one time. We were on this trip as this guy that always knew where to eat. We've had many, probably top five meals, four of the top five have been with this guy because he always knows where to go. He's like, oh, I got the place. We're like, how do you even know you don't live here? He's like all over the world. We've been with him and he's like, he's got the place. Well, we, one time we go to this place and it was this French restaurant, which I don't even know. I like French food, like, I like fries and toast. <laughs> so anyway, we're at this little French, it was amazing. Like it was under the stars. It was like this romantic, like unbelievable experience. Like, oh my gosh, this is, this is living. Anyway. We have meals like that, but then you've also had a lot of, un I've, we've had a lot of unforgettable, or we've had a lot of forgettable meals too. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and here's the thing that I, the forgettable meals did their job. Like I wouldn't be here without the forgettable meals. The forgettable meals did their job and we have to get something out of the church. Every sermon doesn't have to be unbelievable. <laughs> Every worship doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, I worshiped my face off. It was amazing. Every, every time you read the Bible, it doesn't have to be, oh, I got this most amazing, the best ever revelation from God. It was the best of all time. Not everything has to be the most unforgettable experience. Every meal matters. Every meal does its work. Every time you open the word and feed on God's word, it does its job. You may have some boring meals, just keep eating. That was good. 
All right, so I'm going to wrap up. I've had seasons in my life where I've been really good and disciplined at reading the word, and I'm just like you. I've had seasons when I've been terrible, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't read the Bible in a little while. I need to get into it. And I've discovered something. I've discovered something about those two types of seasons. I've had seasons when, like I said, I've read them really well, and here's what I discovered. I discovered that in those seasons, I pray more. <laughs> I, I experience more of God's presence, and I see God moving in powerful ways and in very specific ways. And overall, life is much, much better. And in the seasons where I'm not really reading the word, here's what I find, is that I pray less, <laughs> that I experience less of God's presence and that I don't see God moving in really cool and powerful ways. And life overall is much, much worse. That's what I discovered. Anybody with me on that? So friends, let's read the Bible. Let's long to love Jesus more and to, to know Jesus more and to follow him more. And let's lean in to the season where I believe God's gonna do something significant our church. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to pray. We just want to pray for more of you. We want to pray that, Lord, we would uh, <clears throat> we would be faithful to, to, to not just go learn about you and to read about you, but to encounter you, to ask for more of you. And Lord, your word, you did it. You revealed yourself to your followers through the scriptures. And I, Lord, I just pray for, I just pray that that would be the case in this body. That Lord, as we read your word, that you would reveal yourself. And that Lord, we would encounter you in new ways and you would start pouring yourself out in ways that <clears throat> we've never imagined. So God, we do pray over this, uh, <clears throat> over this season. We pray over this, 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 this even thought that we're gonna read the Bible every day. That God, you would anoint it in such a way that, Father, it would do more. It would accelerate your work in our life. That, Lord, there'd be an acceleration of the things that you want to do happening in each of our lives. That, Lord, we would just, we'd have to acknowledge it and say, this isn't normal. God, you're doing more than I'm used to. And we just know that that can only happen through the work of your spirit, the accelerated work of your, of your power in our life. And, and, Father, we know that your word is part of that part of what you want to do in our lives. And so, God, we acknowledge it. We submit it to you. We ask you to do more than we can ever do on our own. We pray all this in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at OKC community church.com.